Customers are rushing to your store. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a mm, real POS? You need Shopify for retail. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into the one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash theathletic, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash theathletic to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash theathletic. Gentlemen, please welcome to Wild and Crazy Nights. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hogan for the win. Put in corner. We're going to consistently put players in position to succeed. The most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogan. I don't think that this is a, bit, a full rebuild, but you definitely have to retool your roster. And from the Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Hey, what's up, Fluce? And we're going to have measurable ways for standards of performance every single rep, every single game. Anyway, uh, who cares? Now, here they are. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns back with you. Still recapping the NFL draft. Still recovering a little bit as well. Johnsy, how you doing? Isn't it? Does it after every draft, I always feel like my days are mixed up a little bit. Yes, I thought today was Wednesday. Last night, I thought it was Tuesday night already. Okay. Which is not a good sign. Well, like in my in my stories every now and then, like I'll refer to the first round on Friday, but that's actually... Thursday night, and then Saturday is such a long day at Hallis Hall, you know, with, with the Bears having that many picks, especially the past couple of years. You kind of lose track of time. It's crazy. It's crazy. But um, the reviews are very positive. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's uh, that's certainly the case. Uh, welcome in. Make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, of course, you can follow all of the athletics coverage at theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can follow CHGO at allchgo.com and uh, plenty of coverage up there on the CHGO YouTube channel as well, including some tape breakdowns on all these picks. But uh, yeah, the grades are boring in, which, you know, you always take with a little bit of a grain of salt, but you still kind of get an overall idea of which teams are getting uh, a lot of praise kind of universally and which teams are not. I want to say the Patrick Mahomes selection by the Chiefs got like a C plus from a lot of people. Yeah, <laughs> like at best a B minus. Like, what are the Chiefs doing? They traded up for this guy. He's got bad footwork. He's got bad mechanics. He leaves the pocket too early. He makes all these wild throws. It's not going to translate to the NFL. No way. C plus, C minus. 
and then best player in football. He, he could be when when it's all said and done, the greatest quarterback of all time. So you let things play out. But yeah, I, I think the positive reviews should like the Bills, the Bears should feel good about their draft. Like I like the process. Like that's what we should do. We should look at the process of their selections and and see where they fill the holes. So, um, you know, in, in in that sense, we had to do grades yesterday on CHGO. And, and my conclusion, just quickly, not to repeat everything, was a solid B for what they did over the weekend. I still have uh, a couple questionable f- questions, I should say, about just the fits of the defensive tackles. Um, but I really like the Darnell Wright pick. I really like the Roshan Johnson pick. And I really like the Tyler Scott pick on offense. And ultimately, this is about getting Justin Fields help, right? So he can uh, take a big leap in year three. But I think it's important to put the whole context together of actually taking this back to when the Bears had the number one pick and looking at the overall haul that they turned in, the, that draft capital they had into what it is now. And in that sense, it also includes DJ Moore. It includes another first round pick next year. It includes another second round pick in the future. And another fourth round pick from the Eagles next year, when you factor in the extra uh, trade back they did with Philadelphia to move from nine to 10. And from that standpoint, you mentioned the word process. I got to at least give it an A minus, I think. I mean, regardless of how the picks work out, the process here was incredibly sound. Yeah, it's it's not done if if you're going back to that first pick because the Bears have two next year, which if you're if you're learning something about Ryan Poles, that's going to turn into more. <laughs> like, like what if the Bears like here's a scenario for you. What if Justin Fields plays well to the point where like I am picking up his fifth year option, we feel great about moving forward, we don't need the contingency plan. But the Panthers, they stink. <laughs> they got the first pick again, second pick, third pick, like that high of a pick, top five. And if you don't get Marvin Harrison Jr., if you don't like one of the offensive tackles that are there or the best pass rusher, do you trade back? I mean, if all things come to fruition in a positive fashion for the Bears, I mean, at best, what are you looking at? 18th, 20th pick for them? I was going to say, unfortunately, I have a feeling that uh, both of those picks are going to be in the teens. Um, oh, you think the Panthers are going to be better than than I do? I think that's going to be a top 10 pick. Well, here's the thing. They had the ninth overall pick. Let's not forget. It's not like they were the worst team in football. They actually chugged along and were kind of feisty late in the season. They ended up with the ninth overall pick. And now I think they're better. They have a way better quarterback, in my opinion, even though he's a rookie. What I will give you is that the division stinks. That too. Which is probably why they were able to plug along and still get some wins late in the year. But yeah, I, I just I, I would be shocked if that's a top five pick. I don't think that they're going to be horrible. So last year, that division, Tampa won it with an 8-9 and nine record and everybody else finished 7-10. and 10. <laughs> Yeah. So they're right there. But but then like again, that's the point. You know, like the the Falcons had the eighth pick with the same record, just because you you have tiebreakers coming yeah. into play there. Um but our guy Dane Brugler likes the Bears draft. Yeah, what they, did he have to say? So he also has he, a new mock draft out today, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. You, you want to get into that already? <laughs> well, our guy David Kaplan probably hates it. Yeah. 
Like anti- the Notre Dame guy? No, he's just anti-mock draft. He hates mock drafts. Oh. He doesn't understand that the whole point is just to learn about these players, which is why I appreciate Dane coming out with a mock draft. Yeah. He's yeah. not trying to really predict, you know, who's going where. We don't even know the draft order. He's just trying to give you 32 players to keep an eye on for next it's, year. It's an exercise. Ryan Poles himself said they collect mock drafts. Yeah. Said it the other day. They collect them because you just try to get a gauge for interest and in where players are. And and you know what? Teams do monitor media reports, what's said, what's projected, because sometimes that sourcing is quite good. Just saying. All right, Dane rated the Bears with the fifth best overall draft. What a hater. Yeah, fifth best. So they trailed the Eagles at one, Colts at two. Colts had, what, 13, 14 picks? Just looking at this. I mean, wow. A lot of picks. Texans at three. It's the C.J. Stroud, Will Anderson combo to three. Seahawks at four. Devin Witherspoon, fifth overall pick. And you got the Bears at number five. His favorite pick, Tyler Scott. Darnell Wright is a plug-and-play right tackle and will help stabilize the offensive line. The two defensive tackles Chicago took on day two also will pay immediate dividends. But my favorite Bears pick was Scott, whom I ranked as a top 50 player. Former high school option running back, he transitioned to wide receiver for the Bearcats and took a big jump on his 2022 tape. Scott has 4.3 speed, surprising ball skills, and could take over the Darnell Mooney role in the future. Let's get to that a little bit later. Favorite day three pick. Or day three pick who could surprise. Roshan Johnson, running back, Texas. One of the cleanest prospects in the draft. Johnson has A-plus character, passing down skills, and core special teams value. And oh yeah, he's pretty good with the ball in his hands. Highly recruited as a quarterback out of high school. Johnson was a do-everything player behind B. John Robertson, but he would have started 80% of the... Let's try this again. But he would have started at 80% of other FBS programs. Yeah. I'm not going to give his full 32 away, but a certain team up north is number six. The Vikings. Not the Vikings. I think they're way down there. I think the they Vikings just, are way down there. Right as we got going this morning, they apparently got, they reached a new deal with Jordan Love. So instead of picking up the fifth year option, they're just doing a, a, a one year extension. I haven't seen the terms of it, but I'm guessing it's either I'm guessing it's significantly less than what the fifth year option would have been. Yeah, but I wonder if it's it at least gives I, I would have to think it at least gives him the opportunity to earn what would be in that fifth year option if things go well. Because otherwise, why would he do that deal? I mean, this is a sidetrack conversation now, but otherwise you're looking. Why would you not just say, OK, I'm going to bet on myself this year and hit the open market and get signed by a different team for a lot of money? Because I looked awesome as a once I finally got on the field. So that uh, my guess is it protects both sides somehow, which would be the reasoning for, for doing that. Um, but regardless, you know, I, I like what Dane had to say there. I was with him on, especially Tyler Scott. He had Roshan Johnson a little bit higher than me. Cause I'm still wondering if Roshan can actually push for, you know, RB one carries. But I sure as hell think he's going to be a really good player. I mean, you look, I did a tape breakdown on him, Johnson. It's like one snap, he's playing fullback. One snap, you know, he's looking like he could, like Dane said, you know, could be a starting running back anywhere. Next snap, he's in the Wildcat. And I didn't even have the special teams film, which is, you know, his probably the, the 
best thing he'll be able to contribute from day one when because I guarantee you he's active on week one. He just will be unless he's hurt. He'll be in there. He'll be playing at least special teams. He'll be giving you, you know, depth and you know, the right type of attitude on the sideline. So I like that pick. I, I think Tyler Scott, though, is exactly what the Bears needed to be able to take the top off the defense. You know, it's just a matter of is his route running going to be polished enough to play early? All right. You want to get into this depth chart conversation? Right yeah. Now? Yeah, okay. let's do it. So I, I have some questions for you, kind of based off on this. We have uh, David Ubbin of the the Athletic, our SEC writer, coming on uh, shortly to talk about Wright and the other SEC, SEC uh, defensive tackles here in a little bit. But all right, the Bears depth chart. Number one question for you, Adam. What does Tyler Scott's selection mean for Valus Jones Jr.? Mm, good question. Yeah, it's starting to get crowded there because you always you wonder how many wide receivers stick around. But I will. My first impression is this is a much better situation than last year because the guys you're talking about potentially being cut if Valus Jones does enough to stick around are the guys who are basically your one and two wide receivers to start last year. Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis, who they just brought back. Um, now you're looking at DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool. Those three are virtual locks, right? Um, I mean, they are locks. I guess I put the word virtual in there for Chase for some reason. Um, so Tyler Scott, Valus Jones Jr., if they both made it, that's already five wide receivers. You, you keep a six. It's probably Equinemius or Dante Pettis because you need them for punt return. I mean, it just gets really crowded. I think the point, the answer to that question, though, is Valus Jones is going to have to earn a spot. And, and we had that conversation late in the season, honestly. You know, hey, is this guy still going to be on the team come the end of training camp next year. And then he finished strong. I'll give him that. He actually finished the season pretty pretty strong. So if he can build on that, like I still think he's going to make the team, but that would mean one of the other veterans is, is gone. I think if he impresses as your kick returner, as your punt returner, especially in the competition against Dante Pettis, then he gets that roster spot. Because he's got to prove he can. He's got to prove he can catch punts. Yeah, well, that's that's the <laughs> the most important part. Is yeah. it not? But that goes. Those struggles go back to college, so that might just yeah. be something he can't do. Yeah, he can't run with the ball if he don't have the ball. Yeah. All right. So part two of this question: What does it mean? What does Tyler Scott's selection mean for Darnell Mooney, as Dane mentioned, and Chase Claypool? Yeah, I think it just. I don't think it means much in the short term. Um. But obviously, you're asking that question because both are entering the final year of their current deals. Um, I could still see Mooney extended. But is he like my first reaction when Scott was selected is like, oh, that's another smaller guy that's fast. The Bears already have Darnell Mooney. What does this mean? Yeah. I think they're a little different, though. I think Scott's Mooney came in already as a much better route runner Scott's more of a take the top off the defense he's a little bit faster on the top end I think um, 
but yeah, it's interesting. I just think it's these are the positions you want to be in, right? Like you got you we got a young, exciting wide receiver that we felt could have gone a lot earlier in the draft that we can work in in spots and you know, depending on what happens with our starters, if we have to let one of them go at the end of the year, you know, if you develop Tyler Scott properly, then you can make that type of move. I mean, this is what smart organizations are doing, kind of working a year ahead with developmental players. I think it means only one of them gets an extension. You Before have, the season or after no, the season? No, no, after, or just, just in general, whenever. Yeah, I'd probably put my money on that right now, too. I think Chase Claypool had to earn that already. I think Darnell Mooney has done enough to to really become one of the Bears guys in terms of the, the hits principle. I know that's probably over-talked about, but you get what I'm getting at. Like, he's won over Ryan Poles. He's won over Matt Eberflus. I don't think it's going to be a massive extension. But I also think they want Chase Claypool because he's a different receiver than everybody else. He's busier. He's busier. He's bigger. Yeah. He can box guys out. He can do different things. They like that blend of different receivers. But in terms of the, the bigger picture, the long term, I think only one guy gets an extension. All right. What else on the depth Number chart? Number three. What does Roshan Johnson's selection mean for Khalil Herbert? Yeah, I think it... Look, Khalil Herbert seems to be a fan favorite, and I like Khalil Herbert too. But I don't think he's just an elevate and give him 25 carries a game guy. And I think the Bears' actions this offseason have proven that they sort of believe the same thing. I think they like him. They tried to bring David Montgomery back. It wasn't just a, okay, yeah, we're ready to hand this thing over to Khalil Herbert. They tried to bring Montgomery back, and then they drafted a running back, which we kind of thought that they would do. But they also signed Dante Foreman. So you have, instead of like a one-two punch at running back, I think you probably have a have a three-headed attack with Khalil Herbert and Dante Foreman, and Roshan Johnson. And there's probably a carrier or two in there for Travis Homer every once in a while. Um, and so, but he's going to be a, you know more of a stalwart on special teams, in my opinion. I, I Honestly, I think the biggest takeaway from all that is I don't know that they, they're in love with the Tristan Ebner pick from last year. And he, he might be the odd man out when it's all said and done. Yeah, I think so. You're not going to have five running backs on this roster. You're and plus not. a fullback. Yes, and plus a fullback who plays on special teams a lot. Um, I think this could be a classic case of he just wasn't their draft pick, Khalil Herbert. They said all nice things about him, but then they spent a lot of money in free agency, especially for the running back position, $3 million. And they used a fourth-round pick on a guy. And they went out of... Uh, <laughs> and again, the praise that they have for Johnson was, what was just so telling. Like, this is our guy. This is our running back. Yeah. That's how. That's what it feels like. All right, last one for you before we get to David. What does the lack of a selection at defensive end, what does not drafting a defensive end mean for Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson? Well, it means they better, they better get better. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting because it, what we just talked about with Tristan Ebner, I think is the big question on Dominic Robinson. 
do they think that he's somebody they need to, that they're like looking at and going, eh, I don't know if that, maybe that's not going to work out. Or are they planning on him taking a big step in year two? Because they were really high on his traits. And he did flash early. And then I think teams saw what he was doing and they adjusted to it. And then he was pretty quiet the rest of the year. Um, so I think that's the big question there. And I don't know that we have the answer just based on the moves that have been made. I think we'll probably get a better idea of how they feel about Dominique Robinson based on how many additions are made here in you know yeah. this third or fourth wave of free agency we're in. Now you're talking. Because now the comp pick formula is, is not affected. So mm-hmm. you can actually spend a little bit more money on some of these free agents that kind of sit out to this this point where you know they kind of pick and choose their spots. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. So, um, th- yeah, there's just some key depth chart questions that we'll be looking at, uh, but we still want to get more insight, right, on, on these draft picks and quite a few SEC guys, right? Not just Darnell Wright, but also Javon Dexter Sr. and Zach Pickens. So David Ubbin does a great job covering college football with the emphasis on the SEC for the athletic. I had to sit this one out, Johns. Um, I guess we could thank the Kennedy construction uh, for that. Um, so blame blame the Kennedy Expressway construction. But uh, Johns, you had a chance to catch up with David Ubbin, and here is that conversation. All right, let's bring in our good friend David Ubbin, National College football writer for The Athletic. He covers a lot of the SEC for us, and he's got a Bronco and the Gursky bobblehead in his background there. It's true. Not only is that a Bronco and the Gursky bobblehead, he's right next to uh, a Michael Jordan, uh, what is that called? Uh, I don't know what the brand oh, is. Oh, yeah. School. Um, um the old school uh, yes. uh, action figure. So I feel very at home on the Chicago podcast. Uh, I've never lived in Chicago. It's a little cold for my flavor. But uh, four months out of the year, one of my favorite cities in America. So it's, shout out to uh, the Windy City. <laughs> it's, well, it's very windy today, even though that's not why Chicago has that nickname. But it's yeah. windy today. And it's 42 degrees today, so so much for spring. Um, All right, so three and a half months out of the year, it's my favorite city. <laughs> that uh, that Jordan figurine, it's going to bother the starting lineup? Is that, is that yes, what they were? Yes, starting lineup. That's it. I couldn't remember the name of it. I wanted to say like Fleer, but that's the card company. But yes, yeah. the starting lineup. I have I had a Jordan, which I think he's the only one who survived my childhood for obvious reasons. Um, but I had like a Hakeem Olajuwon. I think I had a Clyde Drexler. Had a I bunch had, of old college, old old action figures, and uh, the Jordan popped up in a Mementos box, and I was like, "That guy's got to chill on my shelf." So. <laughs> I had the entire Dream Team with the USA jerseys, yes, or the just USA the Dream jerseys. Team. Yes, okay, yes. And my my mom <laughs> would still probably be mad at me. I think, oh God, that, that was such a fun like basketball summer, right? <laughs> I want to say only about like five of those guys survived. Um, did our guy Christian Leitner get a starting lineup? He did. Figure? They all did. They all did. Um, wow. But, but the ones that survived, well, Jordan and Pippen survived. Um, I want to say the John Stockton survived and the David Robinson for sure. I, if I look downstairs, like my, my now they're like my sons. I have three sons. They have them now. But those mm-hmm. four for sure 
survive to to 2023. I mean, was that 1992? Do you ever catch the John Stockton figurine just muttering and saying very weird things to himself? <laughs> <at night? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see him. Uh, he's, he's pulling on the Jordan jersey from behind for every now and then. You know, you just got to gotta watch Stockton. You know, dirty player he was. <laughs> um, how'd you get the Nagurski? That's the bobblehead the Bears gave out. Yes. So uh, the last two years, as part of my duties as um, Football Writers Association of America leadership, um, was part of the Nagurski Award presentation and actually gave it out this year. And so when you sort of come do their big event in Charlotte, um, they have like a gift bag and you know, one of the years was a Nagurski bobblehead and I like bobbleheads and it's uh it's truly a uh, piece of college football uh, lore, a nice little memento. So uh, I got to sit with the Nagurski family actually wow. at the um, uh, award ceremony, I think, well, one of the two years. Um, and it was, it was pretty fun. Um, it's just, it's, you know, living, breathing history of the game. And they had all, you know, kind of great stories about their dad and grandpa. And, and it was cool. It was a fun night. Isn't there a Bronco Nagurski story about him running into the wall at Wrigley Field and leaving like a, <laughs> as, as like the lore would go, like the tall tales, right? Like Paul Bunyan, like left a dent in the wall. And well, this year I was to have, this year I had to do like a little speech at the podium. And so I was kind of looking back and I had to write like a thing for the uh, event program as well. So I was reading some old Sports Illustrated stories about Bronco Nagurski in the SI vault. There's some doozies in there, man. There's yeah. some doozies. Old school sports illustrated. Uh man. That's the 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 what fifties and sixties sports illustrated and writing about Bronco Nagurski is, is quite a marriage. Yeah, we, we should bring that uh style writing back, you know, build these guys. I, I'm, into into like it. Super I'm into it. All you need is a little bit more alcohol and cigarettes in the press box and uh and you'll be on your way. There you go, there you go. <laughs> um but thank you. You're not here to talk about Bronco Nagurski. Um <laughs> Be sure to follow David at, at David Ubben. That's two B's, U-B-B-E-N. Um, he has a great piece from a little bit ago um, looking at which colleges actually turn their five-star prospects into actual NFL draft picks. And I think the number one school will surprise you. Uh, I'm not going to give it away, so, so go please check that out. Um, enough Bronco Nagurski. Um, you're here to talk about Darnell Wright. Um, so you follow Tennessee season a bit. Big turnaround. Mm-hmm. So where did Darnell Wright, the 10th overall pick now for the Bears, fit in all that? Well, he's really an interesting guy. So before I was doing national stuff for the Athletic, I was covering Tennessee. So Darnell, you know, I think it was interesting that the Bears, you know, all three of the, the guys that, that we're talking about in these first few rounds were all five-star prospects. And that obviously starts with, with Darnell Wright, who – you know, he was um, a, a very last, you know, signing day ad for Tennessee, pretty much a day one starter, kind of his first couple years, kind of in and out of the lineup. They didn't like love him. You know, uh, you'd hear like sloppy body kind of stuff. You'd hear that kind of thing. But then the last couple years and really this year, he really kind of took it to another level. And you saw like, he always had the size like anybody who's been around or seen like the five star, you know, uh, offensive defensive lineman and you see them in person it's like that's just an enormous person like they just like every part of them is just big and he fit that mold um you know trey smith is another you know one of those guys that that sort of fits that mold uh, the chiefs guard who played at tennessee as well um so 
but you know, this last year, he really, you saw him really come into his own. Um, and, and it wasn't a surprise that he made a lot of money this year. You know, he always was solid. Um, he was never really a liability, um, which is amazing because walking in and trying to play tackle as a true freshman in the SEC is really, really difficult. You play against some pretty good players, um, and he kind of was okay, pretty solid from the start. But you saw him really become elite this year. Um, and, and I think the biggest time, you know, the, the time that he really made his money was when he was playing against, you know, the best guys. And you know, that was really when he shined. Um, you know, obviously you look at the, um, you know, the, the matchup with Will Anderson sort of jumps out to people. Um, he did pretty well uh, against Georgia as well. And um, but that, that Will Anderson matchup, you know, taking him off the field was something that I think a lot of people. I mean, he made a lot of money that day uh, when, when Tennessee was able to beat uh, Alabama at home. Yeah, the Bears had their uh, national scout, Sam Somerville, down there in Knoxville for, for that game. Like as someone who covers the SEC, like. Uh, you hear like he was very good against Will Anderson. Okay, but like, what does that mean? Like, how dominant was Will Anderson against everybody else? Very. I mean, he for the last two years, he's been the most disruptive force in backfields, wrecking offenses, throwing everybody's timing off. And, you know, Alabama's defense was not quite up to their usual standard last year, but Will Anderson was, you know, not responsible for that. Um, and Tennessee put up 52 points in that game largely because they neutralized Will Anderson and, and not even just neutralized him. I mean, he was a non-factor in that game. Like you came out of that game and there were people saying, oh, is Will Anderson actually that good? A guy that was getting Heisman votes, you know, a year earlier. He was that good. But on that day, Darnell Wright bested him and, and Tennessee benefited for it. And you just didn't see people erase Will Anderson out of games like that. Maybe you'd win, a you know, a rep or two, but for him to be for 60 minutes, just really not affecting an offense at all, we just didn't see that um, from Will Anderson last year. So to be able to do that, uh, I mean, that's I, I think that's a pretty big reason why, um, you know, he ended up being a, a first rounder. Because you can do that, but I think the NFL folks, they really want to see when you're going head to head with the elite guys, what does that look like? Um, and I think that makes an impression. People can talk about all the pre-draft stuff and the combine and 40 times and shuttle runs and all that and whatever. But at the end of the day, I think the tape is king, and in that tape, I mean, you couldn't find a better tape than that. So, uh, you know, props to, to Darnell Wright, and, you know, you hear NFL people talk about him, you know, day one starter and a guy that can walk in and, and sort of plug and play. And I think my only concern is offensive linemen in this offense have had somewhat of a checkered history, um, so we'll see what that looks like. But the talent and the skill is there, and, and he's been good in other offenses as well. So we'll, we'll have to see. Were you surprised that the Bears passed on Jalen Carter? Like, like, is he's, I would say falling. I mean, everyone expected him to be a top ten pick, even with everything that happened. But like, when the Seahawks pass, the Raiders pass, like the Falcons pass. Like, what are you thinking for someone who covered Georgia? I get it. I think at the end of the day. Last year, Jalen Carter was, I think you can make a pretty strong case as the best player in college football last year um, and the best prospect in this draft. Um, just the amount of just caving in offensive lines that he did and how just dominant he was. Um, you know, you can make a case. I think, you know, when you look at the best overall prospect in this draft, Carter and Anderson, to me, were the two of the best guys, if not the best guys. But with Carter, you obviously have a lot of questions. You know, uh, a rocky pre-draft, you know, situation putting on weight, a bad pro day, a lot of questions about you know motivation and where you need to be. 
You heard that a lot throughout the, 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 the process. And I think just in general, the circumstances, you know, it doesn't sound like he's going to face a lot of serious legal action um, for the January 15th accident. But just in general, the, the events of the evening, like if you're that close to an accident like that that kills people and you sort of leave and then come back and you're sort of, you know, being generous with the truth, that, that makes people nervous. Um, and if you want to talk about character concerns, you know, that bothers me a lot more than a lot of other things. Um, you know, I think with, you know, I, I think, you know, from, to me, just as a human being, right. If you're, you see an accident like that and one of your teammates, you know, it's a very serious accident. The car gets busted up. People get thrown from the car and you leave the scene because you're trying to preserve your future rather than, you know, try and, you know, where people are looking for your, your friend's body like that to me, like I, you hear that you're just kind of like, man, you know, beyond all the legal implications, I'm just like, man, that's that's not great. And so you add all those things up. I get people's hesitation with the Jalen Carter piece of this whole situation. So not that surprised that they passed on him. I think there's just so many things off the field that make you nervous with him, even when the tape and obviously the talent is off the charts. And, you know, last year for as dominant as that tenant, that Georgia defense was. I had multiple SEC coaches tell me they thought Jalen Carter was the best player on the defense last year that still had Nicope Dean and Jordan Davis and all those guys, and he was still kind of young and didn't play a ton of snaps. Um, They still thought he was the best guy on that defense, and that's that's high praise. You know, I I have this story up on the Athletic today, kind of detailing all the work the Bears did on Darnell Wright, and, and part of it was like this crazy workout they put him through like on campus, they're like three hours. They they had them doing up downs and you know like board work and there's like a conditioning test. And then like the entire time they're they're telling us this. Like Ryan Poles is telling us all about this. Like Jalen Carter had a really bad pro day, right? Where he couldn't finish his own pro day. Like I kept thinking about that as you know Josh Heupel is telling us he's never seen anything like this before at Tennessee in his coaching history with the, the Bears putting. Darnell right through that workout. So I, I don't know. I kept thinking about that, um, that pro day that Jalen Carter had. Um, kind of like a a big side story of this draft is like all the Georgia guys mm-hmm. that the Eagles just see, <laughs> like went in doubt. I've heard of worse. I've heard of worse draft draft strategies. I gotta say. Yeah. So this is this was this defense that was like the best defense college football seen in a decade and possibly more. Let's just get as many guys from that defense as possible. That to me strikes me as a pretty good strategy. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What What do you think of Nolan Smith? Maybe as an edge rusher, you know, there was talks about him being maybe an option because the Bears need a defensive end. I don't think he fit what Eberflus wants, especially with the four three defense. But Eagles seem to have no problem bringing him into their four three defense. Well, I think with him, you know, I, I don't have access to his medicals. Uh, you know, anytime you draft somebody that might not be fully healthy, you know, you, you kind of wonder and, and him missing a lot of time with the shoulder injury late in the year, you know, is less than ideal. But at the end of the day, I think it does speak to how big of a voice he still had in the Georgia locker room and how big of a presence he still was when he wasn't playing and missed a good chunk of the last season. And obviously he had plenty of tape early in the season, plenty of tape in 2021, but you kind of know the kind of player you're getting. Um, you know, you'd like to have assurances that the shoulder stuff is not going to be a, uh, a a recurring deal. But I think for me, you know, uh, it was really, you know, as you cover Georgia late in the season and, um, you know, the Tennessee game that they played, the SEC championship, you know, the playoff games and the national title. 
he was everywhere and guys really responded to him. And, you know, he had a lot to say in locker rooms and uh, was still such a huge presence on that team when, you know, a lot of guys, you know, you, you suffer a season ending injury and you're a pretty, you know, promising prospect and, and Nolan Smith, another five-star guy, obviously. And, you know, you might say, Hey, I might kind of hang around, but I'm going to be working on what I can do to be ready for the draft. But he was very invested in his team, and I think there's something to be said for for that as as just being a teammate. What can you tell us about Javon Dexter and Zach Pickens? You know, two defensive tackles from the SEC. Big bodies. I mean, I think too. It goes back to what we were saying. I, I you know, I, if I'm an NFL guy and I'm drafting, I think if I'm looking at five stars and they're, you know, obviously just physically different in most cases, that seems like a pretty good draft strategy as well. And, you know, Pickens, not that productive, but still a guy that, that takes up a lot of space and can hog up blockers in the middle. And Dexter, a little bit more productive, a little bit quicker, I'd say a little bit stronger. Um, but two guys that I think really, you know, I would not be surprised to have them have, see them have really good NFL careers. You know, can they, uh, you know, uh, keep their bodies where they need to be keep their conditioning where they need to be um that's the only real question but both of those guys fun to watch dexter a little bit more i think dexter i liked his motor a little bit more um than the pickens but but two guys that you know again I, I think when you when you get guys that are you know hashtag built different uh they just are and and they they showed it for a lot of their careers just like generally speaking is there something to be said about like defensive tackles from from that conference maybe as opposed to, I don't know, the, the Big Ten or, or other conferences, you know, in college football? Well, the SEC is kind of changing. Like, I think, you know, in terms of just, like, wanting to play three yards in a cloud of dust and and really wanting to, uh, you know, scrap it up in the line, the, the Big Ten is still a little bit more of that kind of a league in general. There's definitely some, some more offenses there. But the, the, the SEC has turned into, you know, a, a a spread offense league, you know, the last few years. And if you can have those guys, you know, you can, you can make up a difference. And, and so it's a, they're, they're what you're asking them to do is a little bit different than the days of like Terrence Cody, when the, the, the SEC didn't have a lot of offensive creativity. And if you had those, you know, 330, 340 pound guys in the middle, they just were asking them to do different things, but you have guys like Jalen Carter, absolutely, um, you know, shutting down, uh, Oregon's offense in, in the first uh, the first game of the year and that was easy to say you know I don't think anybody really knew what to make of that because you know the first game of the season you have a first first year head coach and Dan Lanning out at Oregon and they score three points against Bama and people are thinking oh my gosh or, or against Georgia you're thinking oh my gosh like what's going on here and then Oregon ends up being like one of the best offenses in the country and you look back at that game and you look back at the tape that Jalen Carter put together um, in that game and, and how much he just ruined everything that they were going to do. But you see a lot of that with the spread offense. If you can have one sort of just wrecker in the middle that is, you know, over three bills, um, but also, you know, can plug up holes, you know, lock down the run game, attract blockers, and let you drop back six, seven guys and still have a pass rush with a four-man rush, a three-man rush, um, you know, or five if you need to, that's really, really valuable in slowing down a lot of these spread offenses and, and throwing off the timing um, of a vertical pass games and all those things. So they're really, really valuable. Still, the SEC is still a line of scrimmage league, but valuable in a different way um, than they were, you know, maybe 10 years ago. I think the last five years, you've seen a lot of evolution in the SEC and a lot more spread offenses and a lot more up-tempo stuff. I mean, you look around the league, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Arkansas, Alabama even, you know, our teams that – 
you know, traditionally we're not running wide open offenses and they are now. They, they strike me as just so, at least with Dexter and Pickens, so big, but that's, that's so fast. Like, mm-hmm. and like just to their broad jumps and vertical jumps were so good. You know, I guess that's where the projection comes out. I, I guess if, if you're talking them up, like you, you've seen them play, and like, oh, they didn't have much production. But like, what would you tell someone who's concerned about their production? Like, maybe in terms of what they could project to be in the NFL. Pickens in I mean, Dexter. I think Pickens yeah. is the one where it's like slightly concerning, and that's why you know if you're Pickens, you're not a first or second round pick. You know, obviously because that production is not there. So it's a, I mean, it's a mild concern. I think. I think if 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 it doesn't turn out and he doesn't have the NFL career that people are hoping, then you can certainly point to production and be like, you should have seen this all along. But at the end of the day, you have these athletes, and there's not a lot of, you know, let's say there's a lot of guys over 300 pounds in the SEC. There's not a lot of guys that are over 300 pounds that can move in the same way that Dexter can move, that Pickens has shown an ability to move as well. And then obviously Jalen Carter, you know, a little bit more of an end kind of tackle combo, but still a guy that just absolutely collapses lines. And so those guys are really, really rare. And those are the guys that are the five-star recruits that end up getting drafted, even if, you know, they don't have the production um, that that Jalen Carter had or that that Will Anderson had or, or, you know, the the 10 tackles for loss or whatever. Um, If you're big and pushing three bills and can still move like that, you know, NFL teams want you. It's It's sort of the same concept as like Anthony Richardson, right? The production was not there, but you see he's big, he's fast, he has a big arm. Well, we can fix the things that, 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 you know, that didn't uh, you know, produce production uh, for him on the field. Maybe you're right, maybe you're not right. You know, I think we'll see. Time will tell. David, great stuff. Thank you very much. I'll let you go back to your, your Bronco Nagurski bobblehead. Um, thanks, man. Be sure to follow David at David Ubbin. That's U-B-B-E-N. Thanks, David. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
If you're like me, you believe there needs to be more stylish, functional, business, casual menswear that is both high quality and durable that can withstand your day. I'm talking about maybe hanging out in the press box, watching the game later with your friends, maybe getting a quick nine holes in. That's why men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and truly versatile set of products known to man. They have products for every occasion. We're talking about the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos, and blazers. They look great as individual pieces, maybe with a Hogan John's polo or quarter zip, but they also work seamlessly together. Roan's signature four-way stretch fabric is breathable, flexible, works everywhere from your commute to work to the 19th hole. It's time for unparalleled confidence without all the hassle. Roan's commuter collection features wrinkle-release technology and is 100% machine washable. Looking good is that easy. The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash adam and use promo code adam to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash adam and use code adam. It's time to find your corner office comfort. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, our thanks to David Ubbin for coming on the podcast again. Always good to have him on to talk about the SEC. Tons Great of talent. Stuff, yeah. yeah, tons of talent, obviously, uh, coming out of there. And when they're not headed to Philadelphia, sometimes the <laughs> Bears can grab a few of them. Um, but, yeah, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back Thursday, though. Rookie mini camp is on deck coming up this weekend. We still have to kind of get into some of these undrafted free agent signings and and talk about some of those key guys and just sort of what's on tap for the weekend as the rookies arrive at Hallis Hall and get thrown into the fire just for two days yeah used to be three now it's two three Uh, I want to see how it plays out in the past they've had like more tryout guys than actual draft picks (laughs) guys under contract so we'll see what this this weekend holds at Hallis Hall All right, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody watching, listening. Please hit that subscribe button. Please rate and review the podcast. Hit the like button as well. We'll be back Thursday. Talk to you then. See ya. Go Bears.